0: and going live and live. Perfect. Hello, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World with me, Kane Sims. And today I'm joined by Anik Seth, who is the co-founder of VUX. Anik, welcome.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Kane. It's
0: it's nice for you to join us all the way from Toronto with a splendid view out your window there, I must say.
1: Yeah, cake complain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it actually looks even better because it's reflecting off your TV as well. So it's like we've got a good view on the left, good view on the right, and a good view behind. So yeah, it's Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> very jealous right now. Uh, cool. So today we're going to be talking about conversational AI for drive throughs and quick service restaurants, which uh, every, I think. A lot of people know that there's a big, big opportunity here for streamlining the customer experience, uh, helping the staff within those establishments as well, helping the business deliver consistent experiences, and a whole bunch of other things. It's kind of been tried before. Apprenti were acquired by McDonald's. McDonald's did a bunch of work on it. They've now kind of uh, spun that off to IBM, who are working on kind of rolling it out. But it's surprising to me that there isn't more activity in this space because it's such a big opportunity so i'm dying to get into this conversation now with you Anik, and, and kind of explore the ways that you're approaching it uh, and the problems that you're solving and things like that so definitely definitely uh, can't wait to get into the discussion um before we do I need to remind you all about the Voice Summit, VUX at Voice22, which is coming up in literally a month from now. So October the 11th, we'll be running the whole day at the Voice Summit. Uh, We'll be running a track on conversational automation for contact centers. It's presented by Core AI, and we're going to take you through a journey from beginning to end of how to approach contact center automation using conversational AI and NLP, whether it's voice, whether it's text, whether it's on the front end, whether it's agent assist, anything that you you need to be able to automate your contact center and everything you need, we're going to be covering. We've got all of the top players uh, in the space are going to be there. As I mentioned, Core AI, Cognigy, Poly AI, who've just raised $40 million Series B. Uh, we've got, um, I mentioned Poly AI and Cognigy, AI Sierra, uh, we've got Speakeasy, a whole bunch of interesting companies who are all bringing clients along to help share their stories and their successes and how they did it so that you can do the same. Go to voicesummit.ai to save 20% on your tickets. You can use the promo code VUX20, that's voicesummit.ai and promo code VUX20 to save 20% on your tickets. I cannot wait. We've been wanting to do an in-person event for so long and I'm glad that it's finally happening. And the second thing I need to tell you about is before that event, in two weeks' time, we're going to be running a webinar with Raza, again, another Gartner Magic Quadrant conversational enterprise uh, AI platform leader and we're going to be focusing that conversation on how to turn a chatbot that's not working into a chatbot that is working and we're going to be using one of Raza's client case studies which is a large financial institution that went live with a chatbot and it was a complete mess and so Raza used their conversation driven development framework to take it from nothing to something spectacular and we're going to be walking through exactly how they did that and exactly how you can optimize your conversational AI from something that might not be delivering value and turning it into something that is delivering value for customers and for the business. It's all about optimization. So join us on September the 21st for that workshop. And you can go to VUX.world and just click on the events tab and that'll take you straight to the landing page. You can sign up there. And obviously I'll put the links to all of this stuff in the show notes so that you can join it if you're listening to it on your podcast players or YouTube or wherever you are. And so without further ado, Anik, as I mentioned, thank you for joining us. And maybe let's kick off with a little bit about yourself. You're a franchisee. Holder, is that right? That's how you're starting this?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there, Cain. I come from a very unorthodox background into technology, I uh, worked part of kind of a family business, uh, you know, owning and operating some franchise locations uh, for a restaurant. And, uh, you know, as an early age, uh, nine or 10, I got my exposure to the business, uh, you know, working in those restaurants and alongside the people in there. Um, and kind of through that experience, uh, kind of started to witness uh, into my later years, kind of all the, the opportunities that exist uh, in this industry and kind of the issues uh, it's it's plagued by in terms of um, industry issues, in terms of other kind of um, problems we face on a day-to-day basis. Um, And as a result of that experience, kind of owning and operating and working in those businesses, it kind of led to the birth of UX Labs And what we're doing now in terms of bringing kind of applied voice AI solutions to brick and mortar businesses. So, uh, yeah, it's been a very, uh, very unorthodox journey uh, and a very uh, different journey uh, in terms of how we got into technology or how I got into technology. But, uh, yeah, it's been an awesome experience. Well,
0: I think the people that and are in the best place to create some of these innovations are the people that work in those spaces even even companies that are doing this internally themselves the, the the people that work on these projects, they be, they'll be skilled in, you know, machine learning or data science or conversation design, but they don't know the business. And so you have to work with the business in order to be able to stand something up. And so having experience working within the kind of businesses that you're aiming to solve the problem for gives you a fundamental understanding of what problems actually are there to be solved, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think that's the biggest thing, right? My experience working alongside the people in those businesses to identify what are the problems that we face on a continual basis. I think that's where like true innovation is born because it's born out of a necessity uh, and it's born uh, out of a need in terms of making things better uh, for the overall business environment. So, yeah, definitely in that regard, uh, you know, it gives us the foundation uh, to kind of propel forward in terms of a practical solution um, and then kind of leading into how we can apply technology into developing those solutions for sure.
0: Mm. And so what are, what do are some of these solutions look like then? Is, is it along the lines of the example I gave at the beginning, which I referenced the McDonald's example, you know, acquiring Apprentice, they were voice enabling, drive-through, order taking. That's the use case that you're focusing on as well, is it?
1: Correct, yeah. So um, just paint a picture here, Kane. I guess uh, the journey into kind of Huex and uh, Huex Lab started probably around 2018, 2019. Um, And through my experience owning and operating kind of these several franchise locations and working alongside the family business, one of the biggest issues, um, and we started to see in 2016 was labor, uh, labor became kind of a big issue in this industry. You're starting to see all the headlines now in 2022, uh, around, Hey, labor shortage is not enough people to work, but we started to see that as early as 2016. Why was that happening? Like the fundamental question is why, um, it's not like there's not enough people, but what you're seeing was the current labor pool. There was a big migration of them to kind of emerging gig economy positions and work from home positions that kind of depleted the the staff that we came to rely on on a daily basis. And not to mention, there has been a kind of a big exodus of, uh, I would say, uh, baby boomers, too, out of the industry. Uh, and Gen Z's not necessarily it's a job they want to do working in the fast food environment, per se. So we made the thesis kind of in 2019 to say, hey, what if we could bring voice AI solutions to help kind of augment uh, and support kind of the labor crisis or labor shortage that this industry is undergoing? And one of the fundamental kind of use cases there, uh, which seems to work well, is maybe we could put this into the drive through. Uh, So this voice AI or voice assistant can help with order taking functions uh, on a daily basis and quote unquote, it can have a digital employee working 24 seven, which can kind of help support uh, the labor shortage uh, that franchisees are going or undergoing at the moment. So that was kind of the fundamental thesis and the genesis around UX Labs and what we're doing. Absolutely. To your point, similar to that of Apparente uh, and McDonald's in terms of a practical voice AI solution.
0: Mm. And on on the kind of macro level, it's not just the fast food industry that felt this, especially with COVID, every hospitality company felt this. And some have actually also had it pretty difficult trying to recover from it. So some of those factors that you were mentioning there, some of the macro kind of factors, baby boomers retiring or moving into, I suppose, um, less intense working uh, roles, uh, and then Gen Z not wanting to work in those kind of environments. Is is that kind of like, because I haven't really seen, I've heard a lot about this stuff. I mean, and obviously, everyone knows it's an issue. But I've never really climbed into like, what's actually going on? Like, why is it that the fast food industry, hospitality in general, is having such a difficult time recruiting, because AI is inevitably something that is emerging as a as a solution to the problem. But what is it about the problem itself? You said as far back as twenty sixteen, it was happening. What is it on a macro level that is that's contributing to this? Is it the fact that baby boomers are retiring and everything you just mentioned, or is this is there other stuff going yeah, on? Yeah, I
1: think I think look, it just shows a transformation. I think I like to say it's almost like a labor uh, a renaissance and the way work was done previously and how work is being done now, there's been a fundamental change uh, and a shift uh, in doing so. So going back to the example, I think the biggest thing is now Um, that labor force, they have choice, which is awesome, right? That's the one thing you want. You want choice. You want the ability to have the freedom in your career and do things. So as mentioned, emerging gig economy positions, more work from home positions that kind of give the flexibility, I think that people are looking for. Uh, That's been a fundamental factor, right? So the existing labor pool kind of emerging, going to these positions uh, as well. And then just adding on to that, not just as you mentioned, fast food, but you're seeing this kind of issue happening, even, you know, we've seen with some inbound leads and other brick-and-mortar business retailers grocery stores um, you know other people who may operate a brick-and-mortar business we're seeing these type of uh, fundamentally same or similar things that are happening on the fast food world occurring there. So I think more than anything, it, it's showing that the labor market is transforming. Uh, there's more opportunity out there in terms of maybe there's a better aligned job um, that they could do. Um, so I think that is what's been the biggest shift uh, since 2016 to now. Mm.
0: Um, and where did you start then? So your background is is being kind of a franchise owner operator kind of thing. Um that's not a technology background. <laughs> yet you want to build probably one of the one of the most um you want to tackle one of the most complex use cases you could find. Yeah. Because because you like the thing about drive through ordering is that the conversation pattern might be similar. I want to order this I want to order that can I get a side of this and a drink of that can you swap this for that there's going to be patterns that exist within the conversation that are going to be fairly um you know not ungraspable to to handle but what you've got is so many different entities to care about So many different items that can be ordered, different things can be paired with different things, different promotions are happening within the company, different pricing strategies based on different locations, different menus available at different locations. There's a whole bunch of complexity that sits underneath this. And as someone who has been operating the franchise, not building voice AI technology, where do you start with trying to figure this out?
1: Yeah, no. I have to give full credit to the team. Uh, I'm the guy who just showed up at the door and said, "Hey, this is the problem. Um, so let's kind of build a solution." So I mean, uh, our team bring a, a good uh, amount of expertise in this space. Um, you know, most previously our, our CTO and co-founder um, was a VP of conversational architecture uh, at Bank of America. So he brings that kind of expertise in terms of pedigree, in terms of uh, an enterprise solution, and how to scale an enterprise solution. And then also our our chief science officer who brings over 30 years of kind of research experience uh, in this realm. um, uh, Previously a research fellow from the University of Waterloo around this field of kind of computational linguistics, natural language processing and kind of noisy, fuzzy environments uh, that we're dealing with. So uh, I'm fortunate to have these guys on the team and because of their uh, expertise, you know, we're able to build a solution now that's able to work uh, in these type of environments, right, from the speech recognition standpoint, natural language processing and natural language understanding and then kind of building that and doing it on a small compute fashion so that everything can run stable and locally at the respective location uh, that we're looking to do an install at so that's how we've approached the problem that's kind of the team behind it who've been doing it uh, and building it for the last three years um and uh from that perspective you know, you mentioned around multiple entities and multiple conversations in terms of how people interact or order. Um, the reality is, like we've seen with our data, sixty percent of conversations are pretty straightforward in terms of uh, hey, this is what someone wants. But forty percent are you're in the wild, wild west. They're very ambiguous in nature, um, and that's where kind of the sweet spot of the opportunity is with kind of the. I would say intellectual property we're building is to really solve that 40% so we can kind of get a solution that's upwards of 90% in this environment.
0: Mm. And what is it that is ambiguous of that 40%? Is it that people are not kind of able to identify the menu items that they want? Is it that they can't make a choice? Is it that they're swapping orders? Like, What is it that's kind of the difficult challenge of that 40%?
1: Yeah, look, it's a it's a plethora of factors, I think, you know, you can look at all these technologies I mentioned, at independent verticals in terms of challenges, we look at speech recognition. In this environment, you're dealing with fluctuation, right? So if someone comes in the drive through, um, they may not be facing the speaker box when they speak uh there could have multiple people in the vehicle speaking simultaneously and i think you mentioned you had a post recently about a cocktail party and the cocktail party problem Mm. when it comes to speech recognition i mean similarly right we're dealing with that here so how do you address that and you're dealing with kind of legacy microphonic systems Uh, and our goal our thesis we want to integrate with existing hardware right we don't want to bring new hardware uh new systems etc we want to integrate with kind of existing hardware to address these challenges so i mean a it starts with kind of the microphonic system uh speech recognition as mentioned and then going into kind of natural language understanding around the items you mentioned yeah you know you could have multiple intents in one sentence well i'm gonna order a coffee but uh, cancel that sandwich i ordered earlier Mm -hmm. or um you know, I could have multiple products in one sentence and multiple modifiers in one sentence. And you're dealing with that type of variance and complexity as well. Or multiple speakers uh, in one kind of sentence or uh, multiple sentence in terms of context, uh, context in a conversation. So it's very important for these systems that we're developing, A, to have memory, contextual recall capabilities to handle that kind of ambiguous nature. Um, but those are just kind of painting a picture from a 30,000 feet overview for sure.
0: Mm it's interesting that because you like people are used to kind of interacting with voice assistants in different places like you know smart speakers the one on your phone uh when you call a call center is becoming more prevalent some of them are obviously rubbish but people are getting trained <laughs> to be able to kind of like understand how to use them and so you'll notice that with you know, Alexa and Google assistant or Siri, it's always one shot stuff, isn't it? That kicks it off. Right. I just want to do this one thing and then that's it. Or with, uh, in the call center, uh, it can be very kind of like keyword driven because a lot of the systems that are not very sophisticated will say, if you want to talk about credit cards, say credit card and all that rubbish. And so it's kind of like in certain instances People are training themselves in how to interact with this technology. But then all of a sudden, you put it into a new context. I can imagine that it all blows wide open. It's a bit like when you do call a call center and you're speaking to a pretty realistic sounding voice that sounds like a human, it can blow the conversation open because then people are just starting to, you know, verbalize all sorts of stuff. And in the drive-through situation, where you're used to having someone at the other end you're a bit distracted because you're trying to turn the music down or you know stop your car or whatever it might be the kids screaming in the back i can imagine that the conversation as far as the how verbose people are is can be quite a challenge as well is is that have you noticed anything with the actual interaction of the users like do they treat it like an ivr system and they say one cheeseburger and then wait one chicken burger, and then wait. Or do they just go and treat it like a human, and just you know all that multiple intense compound requests, all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean the data is all over the place, but I'll tell you this much: I think when we look at the data, uh, people have a definite idea of how they're going to order, how they're going to interact, and how they're going to do it. Right? They're not going to they're not going necessarily order one thing at a time. In some cases, you know, we've seen in our data, uh, people have ordered up to in one kind of utterance uh, five to six items and then really breaking that down to say okay well you have these five to six items how are we going to break this down so it's appropriately resolved with the associated modifiers and associated kind of um could be upselling opportunities etc so uh it's it's a very, very, you know, when we first started the problem, uh, you know, ignorance is bliss on my regard because I didn't come from a technology background. I said, OK, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, we could use the things like the Googles of the world, uh, you know, the Amazons of the world to solve this problem. But that's where, you know, it, it, we figured out there was a fundamental problem because uh, when you look at the data, there's multiple kind of st- Intense happening in one sentence, multiple orders in one sentence, and all these things being broken down to a level where a bot can really a understand, process, and turn it into valuable information in terms of a POS entry for the respective business. Um, that's what the data started to show, and that's kind of what we had to do: a pivot our strategy. And say, hey, we have to actually build real IP to address this issue. Um, and um, yeah, to your point, those were kind of the fundamental things that we saw.
0: And did you begin then with, I supp- as I'm as i assuming it would have been the easiest thing to do to, to get something that is worthy of proving whether this is a feasible idea. Did you begin with, you know, off the shelf sort of tooling, so to speak, like a Microsoft or AWS or Google kind of tooling to, to try and do this? Is that where you started?
1: Yeah, so like I said, we didn't know better in the past. So, uh, you know, when we first started, just like any uh, research scientist, just like uh, anyone... Um, Starting anything, you know, we looked at uh, what was on the shelf and what we could do uh, fundamentally. So when we started there, uh, like the Googles of the world, uh, the, the Amazons of the world, um, you know, it's not, the, it's not the specifically their speech recognition, it's the environment as well. But, uh, you know, upwards of performance, 40 to 50 percent in these type of environments. Um, Because A, you're dealing with a lot of ambient noise. B, as I mentioned around the fluctuation problem, various kind of input factors changing on the fly. Um, So it wasn't kind of conducive for this specific environment. And then additionally, when you look at kind of the, the, I would say, dialogue flows and other bot building technology that's out there, uh, the level of complexity in terms of handling kind of A, multiple products, multiple intents and things of that nature, uh, it kind of fell short. Uh, in mm. terms of creating a truly humanized kind of conversation. So, yeah, I guess it was uh, trial by error in terms of we figured out a, a way forward uh, around that. But, yeah, we started and we looked in the, you know, I would say, the the box of solutions that were available.
0: Mm. And so the speech recognition is, is, I can imagine that being a definite thing that you'd find out pretty quickly, is that a general speech recognition model in a noisy environment with, you know, I can't imagine the microphone technology is very good in those speaker systems that exist in uh, in drive-throughs and stuff like that. So it's like the first problem will be speech recognition. Did you have you ended up kind of building everything now proprietary? Is that how you've solved it?
1: Yeah, I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, fundamentally, a lot of the underlying components that we use on a continual basis, um, especially on the core technology side, yeah, we had to kind of develop in-house to assist or solve this problem um so yeah fundamentally all the core technologies have been developed in-house to really adapt to this environment that's the biggest thing is how do we adapt to this environment um so kind of the core research and the core ai algorithms that we've trained and developed uh, are able to work in these environments
0: mm. what about kind of how you've been thinking about scalability so i i've I haven't actually worked with any hotels but I know a lot of companies and a lot of people that have done a lot of work with hotels. And one of the issues with hotels is that uh every hotel has different services. Some hotels you might be able to call from your room and order some slippers and a robe, others you can't. So some, some you can order some room service, some you can't. Uh some have a pool, some don't, some allow dogs, some don't. And it's the same chain but every location has differing things that it does and doesn't do, and so when you implement conversational AI in hotels, to have that really localized, personalized interaction, you need to pretty much not customize everything, but you need to customize a hell of a lot, and especially as well, some of the hotel change will will buy other hotels and slap their logo on the front and they won't change any of the underlying technology that manages bookings and stuff like that. So you often have lots of different systems around to integrate with. Uh, it strikes me that the fast food industry might be something similar to that, where, as I mentioned, every location's got different, different uh, menus, different pricing, every different chain that you work with may have different POS systems, different ways of, of, of doing things. So how do you approach being able to scale this without having to, you know, rebuild it every time that you take on a new client? Yeah, uh,
1: I think that starts actually with what we've done, I think, uh, on the back end side uh, in terms of our database. So, um, you know, when we started in 2019, uh, we spent almost two years building the underlying data processes and data infrastructure uh, that would support kind of the AI, uh, but more importantly, also support scalability. So around kind of, I would say our our secret sauce is somewhere in our dialogue management system, which is easily adaptable to different industries and different businesses. So uh, it's a matter of extracting and then inputting the new database and the kind of the fundamental or associated things that occur in those databases between entities and items, et cetera. Um, So that's where we've we've done something special. And we see that right now. We're actually scaling with uh, working with multiple brands at the moment. Uh, So as a result of that, we're seeing firsthand how easily it's adaptable to other locations, other brands, other products, other ways of conversation, etc.
0: Interesting. Um, And how do you how do you deal with different locations? You know, some might have a good internet, some might have poor internet, some might have no internet. How do you deal with being able to get connectivity and to be able to process all of this stuff at locations all over the place?
1: Yeah, look, uh, Kane, uh, the, the industries we're in—it's uh, rather archaic, uh, to <laughs> say the least. Um, you know, and it's—it's not—it's not anyone's fault per se, but that's just how the industry has kind of evolved to a degree. So, uh, internet is one of those issues. You know, we talk to brands, I think uh, that's the number one thing say, so, well, first thing, internet. Uh, and we've, we've learned that, uh, through our kind of process and what we've done. And as a result, the first thing, our system, we've kind of uh, made it edge-based. So it's all running locally, uh, at the location, doing the processing with minimal reliance, uh, on the internet. If anything, we're using the internet for just, you know, software updates and pushing any data that uh, may need kind of assessment from a feedback loop standpoint so uh, we've solved it in that regard um, and that's how we're approaching the problem and uh, you know when we look at edge computing specifically it's also helped with our latency so the communication and response times are faster more humanized as a result um, and that's how we've kind of approached the problem. In some cases, too, you know, we've <laughs> we've gone out and worked with brands. We're bringing our own five G hotspots uh, to start, at least. But uh, fundamentally, we're we're in the process of kind of having everything transferred to this edge computing platform. And as we speak, we have a few locations on board and on this edge computing platform as well.
0: Mm, interesting. The edge computing things. There's a lot of stuff that comes with that, isn't there? There's kind of like One, you need to have the conversational design and the language models completely boxed off because you can't fail. You need to have it as good as it can be if you're going to run it on the edge. But the other thing is, how can it be truly on the edge, so to speak, if it still needs to connect to the POS systems that exist? So, maybe that's like a twofold question. Like, one, how do you approach designing the conversation so that you've got confidence? that it can run on the edge and you don't need to constantly monitor it? And then two, how do you, how does the edge computing architecture work in order to actually transfer an order into the POS system? Yeah,
1: absolutely great question. I think from a conversation uh, standpoint and design standpoint, we spent about, you know, with a brand... Sometimes three to four months looking at the data that's coming through. And then, based on the data that comes through, our team is, you know, I would say diligently working on designs that are A, hospitable, B, uh, resonate and kind of work with the guest and uh, the brand. And then as a result of maybe processing all this data, we come up with the the design templates of conversation that are the most accurate or the most, I would say, conducive uh, for the, I would say, order-taking experience. So once that's done, we have a template, we have kind of an idea, and those are the models we kind of use, essentially, uh, from an edge computing standpoint. And that's fundamentally how our IP works, too. It's extracting from that real data that's coming uh, from the drive-through or the business locations. And then, yeah, we have obviously when it comes to POS integration, it's a little bit all over the map. Uh, So when you look at some of these POS providers and who you're working with, some people have APIs, some people don't even have APIs. So you have to even sometimes help build that gap or bridge there as well. Uh, But for the most part, uh, we also have local connection. So from the device itself, it's locally communicating um, through good old Ethernet. So that'll also uh, reduce kind of dependency and then uh secondary yeah um we would rely maybe on some cloud computing or uh cloud computing in a sense that okay extract items input into the pos using that api or whatever is available
0: mm interesting so we we've, we've got i suppose we've touched on a lot of the challenges of trying to do this and none of it i suppose it is related to the to conversational stuff but as as we find a lot of the challenges relate to the business's readiness enable and being able to implement this kind of stuff so you mentioned there some of the pos systems don't have you know api access and things like that so you've got hurdles to climb there um you've got definitely the the noise situation <clears throat> to handle when it comes to speech recognition um but you should speak to yobi as well actually if you're still working on that because they, they do have some good Jen's stuff guy.
1: We're, we're in touch so yeah oh, good, good 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 work. good
0: yeah. that's good um and then um and then you've got the complexity of the conversations themselves, which sounds as though that's a kind of solved problem. That's more of a problem that for you to solve sort of thing, But there's a, and, and so is the speech recognition. There's dependencies on the business for API connectivity and stuff like that. What have the other challenges been um, in kind of trying to do this, either from things that are in your wheelhouse, which is the technology side of things and the design side, or from the business kind of readiness strategy technology point of view?
1: Yeah, look, I think uh, from the business readiness uh, standpoint, and I've touched a lot on the technology side, as mentioned, but I can just speak from the business readiness standpoint uh, with my operator hat on. uh, But um, it's an education piece. I think like going back to what I mentioned, this is a very archaic industry. Um, and I think the first thing, it requires education because in the realm of, uh, I would say, voice assistance, what people are used to is what they have in their homes, the Google Assistants of the world, the Amazons of the world, uh, et cetera. So when they look at voice assistance, they think, hey, well, you know, I don't think that's fundamentally going to work because the one I use at home is not able to handle this type of complexity. But uh, technology, and I would say, you know, give credit to the AI community and the science community in this realm, it's evolved to such a degree now where it's like we're transitioning from, yeah, voice AI solutions at home to practical applied voice AI solutions that could work in business environments. And you see that happening now. So education has been a big piece of this in terms of business readiness and really guiding these business leaders in this realm. Um... And you see kind of the dichotomy of the industry as well, in a sense that franchisees are very eager. Uh, they want this technology as of yesterday. Um, but if you look at the franchisor or you look at the corporate offices, it's obviously more pragmatic. It's We have to break things down. We have to see how things work in a certain way. Um, and uh, it's funny, but it's something that we've encountered uh, during the process, and rightfully so, uh, franchisees uh, you know we talk about entrepreneurs but they're entrepreneurs at heart so they want to take risks they want to take challenges they want to try new things uh, that can fundamentally make the business better uh, and franchisors are obviously a little bit more pragmatic in their nature they want to make sure things check out um, and follow kind of their checklist in terms of uh, practicality and uh, implementation process.
0: Mm, it's interesting that isn't it so McDonald's they approached it centrally didn't they? um and that was like a top down sort of thing where you know they acquired the apprentice they um worked on that trialed it in about 10 restaurants and then kind of like top down it's like right now we'll roll this out but how is that is that the same situation everywhere else do some franchisees have their own kind of scope and remit because i know like for example mcdonald's i think there's something in the the agreement where you have to use the ice cream machines that are provided (laughs) from a certain provider the ones that always break um there's a really good youtube video on that actually as to why they always break it turns out the company generates 40 percent of its revenue from repairs and parts uh not that i'm cynical but uh but so the, the franchisees do they have um their own remit to do whatever they want with this or do you have to go centrally in a top-down kind of fashion to get this stuff rolled out?
1: Yeah, uh, depending on the use case, yeah, it depends on kind of geography, regions, etc. But for the most part, uh, it's top-down. But yeah, some some franchisees, some network of owners may have their own autonomy. Uh, in terms of decision-making capabilities. So, um, yeah, it's it's a varied kind of field, to say the least. But generally, yeah, it's a top-down approach. And you see with McDonald's, what they're doing, uh, they're, they acquired Apparente. It's such an immense or challenging problem that they had to spin off Apparente, and actually IBM ended up purchasing or absorbing Apparente. Now IBM's working alongside McDonald's to solve this uh, complexity of a problem. So, um It's generally a centralized approach uh, in terms of this, because it is a guest facing thing at the end of the day. So it's something that in terms could disrupt the guest service experience, but in a good way, right? You know, you talk to your customers who come through the drive through, we've interviewed maybe two or 300 of of them. All of them said like, this is this should have been done yesterday. Uh, Because, you know, we interact with our voice AI solutions at home. Um, This is something that, yeah, we would be used to it. It'd be so cool. And you look at team members who are at their location and as I mentioned around high turnover around not not having enough people kind of support these positions and there's a, there's a significant burnout in this industry i think uh, there's a statistic out there's second or third highest burnout job um, next to kind of investment banking that hey they're looking for something to help augment and support their existing operations so their jobs get easier so uh, overall uh, i would say you know It's an immensely challenging problem. Uh, You see what Apparente did with kind of IBM and how they're helping now to kind of solve the problem. So there's a lot of factors that kind of go into it in that regard. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. I think the mic... uh...
0: School by Error. I put it myself on mute while I was coughing. I forgot to unmute myself. Uh, I was asking whether you... I said, speaking of things that should have been done yesterday, uh, do you have coffee bags in Canada? The coffee bags? Coffee bags. Like oh. bags of coffee. Apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. do, yeah. Oh, there you go then, yeah. So in the UK, there's a there's a company called Taylor's that have just released coffee bags. So in the UK, it's never really happened. So instead of, instead of grinding coffee, you just get a bag of coffee, put it in hot water... And then you have a cup of coffee and their <laughs> advert is, why didn't we think of this earlier? Uh, <laughs> which is exactly the same thing as it sounds like you're hearing from customers. It like, why hasn't this been existing already? Um, which is interesting. What's the actual feedback being like, not just from the like, interviews and stuff, but like actual feedback of people using it from a customer perspective? What's the kind of uptake being like, like and what's the feedback being like?
1: Yeah, overall, it's been positive. I think, you know, one thing that we, we see is uh, when guests go in the drive-through, they interact. Um, it's not just a noisy environment for, uh, I would say, speech recognition. It's a noisy environment even for that team member on the other side who's taking that order. And it can sometimes be a frustrating process, right? We've all been in a fast-food drive-through, sometimes good experiences, sometimes not so great. And one of the major issues is around communication. Um, so the feedback we get is, oh, I have to repeat multiple times uh, what I want because you know maybe the team member can't hear me or the team member may not be able to understand uh, the guest kind of accent or voice per se. So uh, what we find is with our system, because first-time recognition rate is almost 95% the moment they enter the drive-through, um, it just leads to more coherent conversation. So guests and people who've been using it are appreciative of that in a sense that they, they feel and what the feedback is in, We don't have to repeat our order items multiple times, which creates A, delay in speed of service, uh, B, kind of disrupts that overall, uh, I would say, guest service experience in terms of going through the queue, uh, so they feel a little bit more, I would say, optimistic or happy uh, in that regard. And B, what we've seen most importantly, it goes back to what I just mentioned, uh, an improvement in speed of service uh, because of that coherency. So that people just feel a lot more efficient and uh, feel a lot more enthusiastic in terms of
0: that application. Mm, interesting. And what about what about staff themselves then? So a lot of the times when people implement conversational AI there's a there's a collection of people that think that like staff are going to be pissed off because it's t- going to take their jobs or it's going to infringe on on what they do and all that kind of stuff. Most of the time the whole point is actually to make their lives easier and you know especially in the call centers and stuff like that like it helps it helps immensely um and the staff end up actually really enjoying it and then they get involved in in uh, maintaining it and all that kind of stuff like so i think there might be this uh, misconception really that it's all a danger for staff and that it's a threat to staff whereas I've, that's not been my experience but in this situation there's now not somebody with a headset on taking orders they then need to go and presumably either do something else or whatever what's the general kind of reception being like from the workers within the franchise themselves
1: yeah, I think the, the, the cool part is, you know, we, we personified our, our AI, we call it Ida. So they would uh, always ask, hey, is Ida online today? Are we working with Ida today? So there's already already a sense of uh, camaraderie uh-huh. <laughs> with the conversation in the AI system. That's number one. But number two, you know, it goes back to the fundamental issue. Uh, I mentioned uh, team members are looking for support, right? Um, as again, as I mentioned, there's, there's a kind of a, a deficit of team members so now team members end up doing multiple functions in a given day that's not in their job scope uh, and that's what's leading to higher burnout uh, just a an the operation and make sure the business is running uh, efficiently so um, in this case they're very very enthusiastic about it because a it helps improve productivity but b you know especially in times where it's non-peak times and that team member's kind of forced now to do multiple things to keep the business running, they can rely on Ida to say, okay, you you take the orders. I'll just expedite. I'll just focus on delivering a quality product experience and handing out to the guests as they get to the window. So uh, we've seen a great reception. I think, uh, you know, everybody, when we talk about this and we implement and we get into locations, um, you know, team members will ask, hey, when are are we going to use it again? Or how can we use it? Or is it going to be online today type of thing? Yeah
0: nice um, is that next is the robot arm that just passes the food out the window <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's 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 funny because you see a lot of this in terms of robotics and automation that's happening in kind of the restaurant space so yeah you never know I, I think there's a lot of uh, potential or opportunity there as well
0: yeah what, is, what does Ida stand for
1: uh, we call it the automated intelligent uh, drive through assistant
0: nice AIDA yeah. cool yeah either and what's the sort of like you mentioned the challenges that it was intended to solve which is helping with staff burnout it's helping with inability to recruit helping with general labor shortages in that industry um, as well I imagine helping with scale because uh, I don't know about you but every time I go to McDonald's I know, I know we're not talking about McDonald's specifically but there's there's less drive-through Locations in the UK than there is in Canada and the US, and so uh, McDonald's is like the the king and queen of drive-through. But whenever you go to any drive-through in McDonald's, it's absolutely booming. Certainly mm. more now than it ever was, and so I don't know if it's pandemic-led or whatever, but like it seems as though they're really busy, and so inevitably there's a there's helping the company scale and deal with more customers higher throughput potentially but all of that sounds good in terms of these are the goals we're trying to get to but then what actually transpires when something goes live and something's in production uh obviously you want to make sure that those are being achieved so i wonder whether you can share any um insights into some of the value that it's actually delivering and how are the franchisees quantifying that value
1: yeah. So uh, first first thing off the bat is what we've seen is the AI engages in 40 percent more cross sales opportunities uh, in terms of basket of items, etc. So you can imagine uh, lead to kind of top line performance. So we've seen up in some cases three upwards of 12 percent sales lift uh, in given locations and transactions. So that's been, that's been a huge plus, right, in terms of, uh, A, we can rely on the AI system to engage in the appropriate upsell with appropriate items in the basket. That's number one. Number two, when we look at kind of speed of service, um, especially in non-peak times, in some cases we've seen improvement of almost 10 seconds per vehicle. Uh, So that you can imagine that can leverage a a very, very efficient yield, almost a 33 percent improvement in productivity. Uh, versus kind of typical speed of service time. So as a result, more cars can get in the queue. Uh, You you reduce the risk of kind of looking leaves uh, as a result because if, hey, the drive through line is too busy or service levels aren't there, that car who may be coming in will say, uh, you know, I'll go to another location or forget it. I'll just grab a coffee from a gas station or something. So uh, we've seen those two things as the biggest fundamental kind of positives. And obviously the labor side, as I mentioned, uh, in supporting that, uh, but those are the two most, I would say, uh, biggest facets. Uh, and the third, I would say a qualitative is um, from the ownership and management group, um, just a sense of relief, you know, so they would say, oh, we have a backup. Oh, we have something that we can use uh, in case something doesn't work out with a team member, et cetera. So um, there's a sense of relief on all sides, I would even say for team members as well.
0: Mm, nice. It's that perfect example, isn't it, where, you know, it's the trifecta of, Business need, technology readiness and customer value and that 's always a sweet spot to try and get to isn 't it 's like the business has a problem that we need to solve? Is the technology capable of solving that problem, and is it going to be done in a way that 's best for the user or more so the user 's got a need. can we align that to a business problem, and then can the technology solve it and there 's a couple of instances where conversational AI fits perfectly in that. Contact center is one, mm-hmm. and this is another perfect example, isn't it?
1: Correct. Yeah, correct. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned about drive-thrus. Now, uh, drive throughs in North America almost account for 80% of total sales volume in a given really? day. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. When you look at statistics and what's happening, uh, if you look at these business units, a business unit that has a drive-thru, will now fundamentally do almost 80% of the total transactions through that one channel. Um, so you can see the demand (laughs) for drive-through in North America, uh, the convenience of it. So, um, yeah, absolutely.
0: Wow. That is crazy. That's, I don't know what the stats are for the UK actually. Um, but I do know that it is becoming very popular. Um, we're starting to see, uh, Starbucks drive-throughs now, which didn't exist a couple of years back. Costa coffee's got a drive-through up the road for me as well, which, uh, drive-through coffee I never thought would be a thing, but apparently it is. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So do you stop at drive through Is HueX? Is, is this is what we're going to do? We're going to solve the drive through problem and we're going to own that use case in that industry? Or do you see other opportunities with other kind of physical locations?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that's the biggest thing is, uh, how do we kind of enhance, I would say, the brick and mortar experience? Um, With the use of conversational AI and voice technologies for that matter. Um, Because going back to what we started the conversation around labor and people working in these jobs and the kind of the, the transition that's happening it's happening across various sectors uh, i would say specifically in that brick and mortar realm so you know we've seen kind of inbound leads and people hey can you take the solution can you put it in grocery can you put it in retail uh, can you put in other aspects uh could it be a, a home hardware store for that matter um, so we're seeing the uh, kind of evolution of the solution and where it could go so most definitely like our goal is could we We'd be the voice layer for all these brick and mortar businesses um, when someone is having uh, maybe an experience where they're walking in those locations? So could our platform serve as a, an interactive device for FAQ on where can I find this specific item in this aisle? So mm-hmm. there's where we're seeing an evolution of it um, and fundamentally where it could go. Uh, but obviously we just started uh, in our backyard here uh, in the fast food world.
0: Hmm, nice. It's nice to be able to identify those those areas, isn't it? It's obvious to see where things can 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 grow and move into and and diversify and stuff. I think the the interesting thing is how some of those other use cases, even the drive through use case to be honest, I think you could lead could lead you down this route, which is that (coughs) excuse me. The conversational layer is often the front end, isn't it? and obviously it's very complex it has to be done right you have to get it working that's the whole point otherwise the whole thing falls down but in order to deliver the conversation you need to have stuff happening in the back end to fulfill it you mentioned there the various different ways that you've integrated with pos systems but the P, even the pos system that's just a part of a process the process is take an order cook food get food ready and distribute it to the person, collect cash and all it. There's a whole load of stuff that go into that process. And so the conversational UI is the front end of the process, but there's a lot more that goes on to it. And as you start to get into the rest of the process to try and improve and make the rest of the process more efficient, yes, you could use conversational AI, you could use other AI technologies and other things as well emerge from that. The flipping example I gave there is the robot handing out the food and stuff like that, you know. But as soon as you move into other physical environments, different requirements emerge, don't they? So if you're, in a, if you're in a supermarket, you might not just ask, where is the such and such on aisle such and such? You might actually just hold something up and say, have you got any more of this? And so all of a sudden now you need image recognition, you need stock management, stock checking. And there's a whole bunch of other things that come into play. And so I'm kind of edging towards like, what's the future of this? stuff looking like right now it sounds as though you've got to a point where you can do the front end pretty well and you're able to find ways of getting that front end plugged into a business process which is a valuable one and saves a lot of time and and effort and makes everyone's lives easier but what's next where's like like where's the future of all of this kind of stuff heading like what what things do you think we'll see that will be the next kind of wave of innovation to tag on to this conversational front end
1: yeah um look i think we're doing some exciting stuff in our on our research lab too outside of voice but uh if i say okay voice is obviously one layer i think even there there's a lot of work to be done in terms of humanizing conversations and really kind of entering the era i would say of nlp 2.0 or nlu 2.0 in terms of how we hold our conversations and how we can have more humanized conversations so i think there's going to be stuff happening there i think even on the side of image recognition right um I really feel like the future will be multimodal in many ways. So not just voice, it could be gesture uh, in terms of how I'm going to interact or order. Um, It could be, as you mentioned, image based in terms of what I may want. Um, It could be even, like I said, uh, it could be even no voice, no interaction whatsoever. But there's a way to (laughs) figure it out using these technologies that exist. So uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think, you know, we see what Elon Musk is doing. Uh, There's there's a lot of exciting things happening where uh, people may not have to voice anything they want. They could just figure it out. So uh, the evolution and where the technology is going is super exciting. I really think that the next layer is definitely bringing these uh, multimodal styles of communication to one platform. So be it voice, be it gesture. And we've experimented and we're doing some work with gesture technology around kiosks and uh, how people could order. Because... Uh, and when you look at our environment too, uh, we have customers and guests who come and use our system, but some of them may have speech impairments. Mm. Uh, some of them may not be able to communicate. Uh, and as a result, they have to get out of the car, walk inside a location uh, and place an order um, in the manner that they do. So how can we do something that's compliant and can cater to everybody, regardless uh, of uh, disability or regardless of, um, uh, of restriction uh, that they may mm-hmm. face? So uh, I could see things like gesture recognition technology helping in that regard, uh, where they can simply point at something they want.
0: Definitely. And I think it will be a lot more... Um... Cleaner as well. Sometimes I cringe when I go into McDonald's. And I've got to use those big kiosks, which are not accessible at all, by the way. I've never seen a wheelchair user using one of those kiosks, but I bet you they can't because they're always at this height and the the yeah. height of them is huge. So I have to even reach up to reach the top. So they're not very accessible. Um, gesture would work definitely with them. I think voice might be a bit more challenging because you've got four in a row. You've got lots of different people and people, I think I don't think we've got to a point yet where everyone's comfortable talking to screens amongst each other in a you know uh physical setting just yet i think we'll get there though but being able to just point and to say i'll have two of them and one of them and a mcflurry would be you know ideal um Actually. but uh but yeah those those uh touchscreens at the minute are ah, just cringy <laughs> I, i've started doing this now i've started like you know tapping with it not my finger but my kind of like knuckle and stuff like that <laughs> <clears throat> but definitely i think the whole multimodal thing is 100 percent where it's going to end up and i think that it's the next wave isn't it you know being able to have the entire interaction fulfilled in a conversational uh format is is a fantastic leap forward and then if you're able to then once you can do that and you don't have to fall back on anything else you can then start to weave the two together, can't you? Because you know you can manage that. We can already handle the graphical user interface. If we can also handle the conversational elements, we just need to find a way of bringing the two together, essentially. And maybe it's gesture control and gestures is, is one way of doing it, perhaps.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Wicked. Cool. Anik, this has been absolutely wicked. Where can people go to learn more? Is it, is it huex.ai, that's the domain name?
1: Yeah, ux.ai. It's our website. Um, otherwise, you know, you can even reach me directly, uh, annick at UX.ai as well. So uh, happy to chat, happy to connect with anyone who's interested in this space. Um, you know, we're super passionate to connect with like-minded people. And obviously you enable that with this platform and this podcast, Kane. So, you know, fantastic work you do for sure.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Definitely appreciate it. It's H-U-E-X dot A-I. Uh, If you want to learn more, definitely do so, especially if you're in the kind of quick service uh, restaurant industry, that would be a perfect thing for you to be able to do because now there's not that many out there now that are actually doing this. Uh, Apprenti was acquired, and I think there might be one or two others. I I forget the names off the top of my head, but um, it's definitely a huge opportunity. And if if it's 80% uplift of locations (laughs) that have drive-throughs, then I can just see a world where at a macro level, everywhere gets more drive throughs you know everywhere that serves there's even a a, do you have Leon over there is Leon a
1: chain no we don't have we don't have Leon might be a UK
0: chain it's it's like a I think it's supposed to be a healthy restaurant but now they've got themselves into a a situation where they're serving healthy fast food and there's one opened at a garage near me I think it's actually owned by one of the garages or one of the companies that owns a load of land that garages are on and uh, yeah it's like it's a it's now a drive through Leon So all of the restaurants that were actual restaurants, not fast food, uh, uh, they're now even starting to get drive-throughs. And so the opportunities are only gonna present themselves even more, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. It blew my mind too, we were down in the US and first time I saw, not in Canada at least, a drive-through, I would say, drugstore. So you can pull really? up, and get, your, get your prescriptions via drive-through. Wow! Um, so it's it's interesting. It's interesting the 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 drive-through and what type of, uh, um, I guess, communication and channels it's opening up for uh, business owners.
0: Definitely. And <clears> then <throat> I don't know what's like in the U.S. and Canada, but in the U.K. there's these like parade of shops that they have, and so sometimes you know or I, can, or I can imagine is a drive through for those would be difficult so you might have a, you might have a restaurant you might have a cafe a takeaway a drugstore and a bunch of different things <clears throat> so I can see a world where in future you've got just one drive through lane and you queue up and you just say what you want from everywhere <laughs> exactly. and something like QX on the front end just manages it all brings it all together someone just dips into each shop grabs the stuff and drops it off for you at the end it'd be perfect yeah
1: yeah no absolutely absolutely nice.
0: Wicked. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been absolute, this has been absolutely fantastic. I've loved diving into this. It's a, definitely a really interesting area. Lots of challenges that come with it, you know, from the technical side of things, from the business side of things. Um, but I think it overcoming them is what it's all about, isn't it? And, and yeah. this is a really, really good innovation. Really, really interesting. So thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Larkin. Nice one. And for all of you tuning in, don't forget Voicesummit.ai to be part of the VUX at Voice 22 presented by Core AI and VUX.world and head to the events tab if you want to join the webinar that we're doing with Raza all about chapter optimization in two weeks' time. And finally, if you're not subscribed to VUX World already, where have you been all my life? Uh, VUX.world forward slash subscribe. See you soon.